welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Dr. Jay Calvert sitting here on a Saturday with Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing, Dr. Ravello? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm doing great. This is uh, a very important podcast that we're going to do right now because it's something that I've uh, been involved with my whole career. And it's about diced cartilage and fascia grafts for the nose. DCF. DCF. That's right. Now, the history of this is pretty interesting. Dice cartilage and fascia was something that uh, I got involved in out of like right into my career. I wound up uh, coming out to the UC Irvine uh, faculty right out of my residency, my first job. So I left the University of Pittsburgh, come out to UCI, and I called up Roland Daniel, who is a very famous uh, nasal surgeon. Yes. And I said, you know, I'm trying to learn rhinoplasty. You mind if I come hang out for a little bit? And he said, sure, come on down to the Newport Beach Surgery Center. And he and I started talking about research. And I said, well, I got this lab, and I'm trying to look for things to do. And he says, oh, well, I have a problem. So I have, I am 20 for 20 for the first time ever in my rhinoplasty career. I did 20 diced cartilage and surgicel grafts, also known as the Turkish Delight, and all of them failed completely. So let's, first of all, 20 for 20 is a lot. That's a lot of <laughs> preservation. I would have hit five and been like, stocks. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for him to realize that they failed. It took six months. Okay. And, you know, Roland yeah, does fair. things. He does so much. He, when he was doing rhinoplasty, he was doing like numbers that were insane. So if he decided he was going to do something, it was like, yeah. boom, okay. 20 were done. Yeah, in a month, he probably did 20. That's yep. fair. That's true. Okay, so let's break down those words that you just said. What is diced cartilage? What is surgicel? Okay, so diced cartilage is the concept that you can take cartilage and dice it up into little pieces and then wrap it like a burrito or a... Turkish delight. Or a Turkish delight candy, (laughs) which is delicious, by the way. And it was named by owner Errol, uh, the Turkish delight, because that's a a candy that people love. It's a delicious treat. Um, But he would dice up the cartilage, wrap it in surgicel, which is a uh, off-the-shelf man-made... anti-bleeding device it's a clotting device basically it looks like a little piece of like material it's made out of oxidized methyl cellulose which will become relevant in a few minutes but um he was wrapping up this diced cartilage in surgicel and putting it on the bridge to smooth out the bridge of the nose to cover and camouflage and build any any little irregularities into a smooth bridge and he reported 1200 graphs or something crazy like that and said it worked every time, and it was a home run. So Rollin went, okay. sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Owner's a skilled guy. I'm a skilled guy. I'm going to try it. So he tried it, and all of it just dissipated and went away. Now, later on down the road, we figured out that Owner was not using dice cartilage and surgicel as a method of building the bridge. Mm. He was using it as a way of camouflage. Totally different. Totally different. Totally different. Rollin was u- really trying to build like radix graphs and things like that yeah. with it, and, and it wasn't working. And as a young neophyte plastic surgeon who just arrived from the University of Pittsburgh, and uh, what I considered myself to be a hack uh, polymer chemist from my patent on <laughs> capritite and several other things that I did, I said, "Well, oxidized methyl cellulose, <laughs> oxidized methyl cellulose, is going to kill the cartilage. Why would you use that?" He goes, what do you mean it's going to kill the cartilage? I said, it's going to absorb by foreign body reaction or inflammatory response or something bad. And I don't think the cartilage is going to survive. He goes, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) I go, 
well, why don't you wrap it up in fascia since you're always talking about that? Because I'd done all of Rollins' courses at ASPS, and he's always talking about taking fascia graphs and making radix graphs out of it. So I just said, you know, Rollins, you're always talking about taking that fascia, dice up the cartilage, wrap it in fascia, put it in. And he goes, all right. He goes, I'll, I'm going to go back on all these. He goes, how about I get some of the tissue? We'll get the tissue and see what happened to my DCS, the dice cartilage and surgicel cell graphs. I'll put in a dice cartilage and fascia graft, and then if it works, we'll write a paper. <laughs> and fascia is basically just the covering of the muscle, right? Just fascia for definition is, terms, right? Fascia for for those of you playing at home is basically from the temporal region, uh, right over the side of the head. There's a, a muscle called the temporalis, and you can Google that one. You can see where this is, and you make a small cut over the ear, get down onto the temporalis fascia, and you take a piece of it. And by the way, it does grow back in some manner, so you're not missing it really. Um, but then it's a nice material and you're able to dice up cartilage, wrap it up, sew it up like a, like a little bean bag or burrito or California roll is what I wanted to call it. <laughs> and then you put it into the bridge and it, and it lives there pretty straightforward. Right. Well, it worked. Um, so dice cartilage and fascia grafts became popular. Um, so what did you find under the microscope? Oh, the dice cartilage and surge cell killed the cartilage. <laughs> And there you have it, folks. <laughs> Carlos was dead, dead as a hammer. You know, so we did, then we went on to do a bunch of experiments, too, with uh, some of the uh, residents. And, and then uh, we would take dice cartilage and fascia, dice cartilage and surgicel, surgicel by itself, fascia by itself, cartilage by itself. And we compare the survivability of the cartilage based on what it was, you know, placed in or yeah. not placed in. And dice cartilage did fine by itself. Dice cartilage with fascia did really well, too. Dice cartilage and surgicil was a disaster. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's investigator enthusiasm. Well, it later on was corroborated by a, a group out of Japan who did basically uh, a similar experiment where they were trying to show that augmenting the dice cartilage with fascia with stem cells would mm. make it even better. But they also did the same thing with the dice cartilage and surgicil and sh showed the exact same results. So it was corroborated by other groups. And so dice cartilage and fascia became a way to reconstruct the bridge of the nose. Um, now, it's gone through a lot of changes because now people are trying to use fibrin glue instead of having to get the fascia. That sounds like an awful idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it, it's not. Um, it's different. I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, so what are the benefits of the fascia? Well, with the fascia, you can mold it. Right. You have you can shape it, you can mold it, you can reactivate it. I had one six years out that started to develop a little kind of thing on the side, and I put a little hyaluronidase in, broke up the scar tissue, and molded it, reshaped it, splinted it, and the nose was perfect. Because um, the the fat the the cartilage survives in the dice cartilage and fascia grafts like little tiny cartilage grafts because you dice it. Yeah. Think if, of like diced garlic is basically what it looks like. Right, but you must cut pieces. it with a blade. Yes. If you crush it, it doesn't work. Right, right. Because you destroy the architecture of the cartilage. So you must dice the cartilage. And if anybody can invent a dicer, let me know. Because I've been trying and none of them work. They all suck. You need one of those choppers. Yeah, but they just, they, it crushes more than it cuts. That's the problem. Because if you don't get clean cut pieces, the best thing to do is find um, a fellow, a resident, a nurse, a tech. There it is. Who loves cooking and loves mincing garlic? <laughs> that's yeah, that's your best that's dicer. Uh, I'm actually a pretty good dicer myself. But the um, the concept with the fibrin glue is that they mold it to be a, a dorsal graft. Mm. Now the problem for me, and and you know, no, no offense to everybody who loves this, I'm glad you love it. Congratulations. 
But the problem for me is that it creates hard edges. That's what I was going to say. The whole point of the fascia is that it smooths it out. So if you all you have is this fibrin glue, which if you think about it is basically like a super glue that you can put in the body, this fibrin glue, you're still going to see all the little edges of the diced pieces would be my thought. Correct. So for bridge reconstruction in the nose, for me... I never liked solid graphs because if they tilted or canted one way or the other, then you saw an edge and it was like you had to reoperate. You know, not a big opera. I mean, there's, but operations are operations. I am yeah. trying to minimize the number of times I need to go back into the right. nose. That's my goal. My goal is to keep the complications to a minimum, to, you know, make the fixes easy when they're there. That's why I use a lot of fillers now. If there are little defects, well, we'll just fill it and build some scar tissue over yeah. time and then it goes away. So there's all these, all of the kind of technical improvements I'm trying to make in rhinoplasty reduce the amount of time you need to reoperate. I think the fiber and glue in dice cartilage is like an invitation, like just put in a, a silicone implant then, you know, or just use, use rib, like a carved rib. Right. I mean, I get it. It's easy to dice up some septum and put some fiber and glue, but you're going to get edges. You're going to get the problems that I think, you know... In the end, it's great. If you can get it exactly the way you want it and put it exactly where you want it, then you're good. You don't have to take the fascia graft. So I'm going to experiment with it, I think, a little bit you know, off the, off the side of the table with some dice cartilage and stuff and see if I can make it work as well as the fascia. But for me, you know, I mean, granted, I'm one of the inventors of the dice cartilage and fascia graft, but there are probably going to be times where I want more solid grafts where I don't want to take a rib. And in that case, I think that's where the dice cartilage and fiber and glue will be useful. Yeah, perhaps. I'm suspicious. <laughs> You're not into it. I'm not tell. into it. Because usually... <laughs> you look at me like... Mm, First of no. all, the cases that you do, unless it's a primary, there is no septum to take there is no extra cartilage well, you always have to take a not always but you generally take rib anyways if you're doing a revision and if you're really trying to build up a bridge especially if a saddle nose deformity or something like that you need something of substance like something that will really build it up i don't know yeah i mean like i said the and it takes you like two minutes to harvest fascia well i know but you know people don't like you got to cut the patient's head and they don't like to explain that you know a lot of a lot of people don't want to sit there and run through the list of materials they're going to need to fix the nose and i'm going to make an incision here (laughs) and i'm going to take your rib and then i'm going to make an incision maybe in your nose if i have to and then i'm going to make one in your ear (laughs) i'm going to make one in your head it is not unusual (laughs) for me to be taking rib deep temporalis fascia and composite grafts from From the the ear ear. i know that is not unusual and Mm. so that is where you know, it's it's hard. I mean, people, you know, they, they want to run out of the room sometimes when you're like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, <laughs> First it, thing we're going to need is some rib. And they're like, yeah. what? And then, oh, by the way, the rib isn't really good to add lining to the inside <laughs> of the nose. So to add lining to the inside of the nose, I'm going to cut up in your ear. ear. And they're yeah. like, what? You're going to cut it in behind. No, no. I'm actually going to cut it in front because <laughs> I need the skin with it. And then, uh, oh, yeah, and then on the side of the head, I'm going to take the fascia because the rectus muscle is too thick, and I don't really love to use that. So, you know, there are some cases where I want the rectus fascia because it's thicker, but, you know, there, most of the time I want the deep temporalis fascia because it's better, it's more pliable, it's thinner, it's nice. So that makes people go like, you crazy. It is what it is. I mean, that is what we do as plastic surgeons. We rob from Peter to pay Paul. We constantly find things we can do to move around, to make things better. It is what it is. I'm sure there's a place for the fibrin glue and dice cartilage in a select patient population. Maybe we'll find it. Maybe you'll write a paper on it. Maybe. Maybe. 
what I always tell people is that if you need an I-beam to hold up your house, you're not going to use a two-by-four. I'm sure that makes sense to all of you carpenters out there. <laughs> but I will take your word. It sounds about right. Means. Not a clue. <laughs> okay. But it sounds like it's probably right. <laughs> well, it means that if you an, an I-beam is a big steel girder that goes okay. down the middle of your house. It's made out of steel, and it's huge, and it's going to hold up your house. So you wouldn't use a two-by-four if you wanted to hold up your house instead of the steel I-beam. So you got to use the proper materials to do the right job. Yes, that, that I-beam needs to be an I-beam. And that's why, you know, I take the right materials to, you know, for the right job. It just, you know, and that's why, you know, I see everybody's using the fiber and glue and I'm sure it's great, but you know, the, in my hands and, and I, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that using dice cartilage and fascia graphs is easy. It's not, it's not. that's the truth. Yeah. The problem is, is that it looks kind of easy when you see it, it's like, Oh, and then you yeah. just pop that thing in and it's great. It is fun. It's fun. It's great fun. <laughs> That's true. It's fun. But, but how, it, how much cartilage do you put in? Yes. How big is the graft? How much augmentation do you get before you start saying, I have to build this up with other grafts underneath before I put the... Di-? There's so much artistry to it that is... I understand why people are looking for alternatives. Right. It does. There is certainly a learning curve to it for sure. I remember when I was first learning how to do a dice cartilage fascia graft with you, you told me a quite hysterical story about one of my fellow colleagues. <laughs> ah, yes. Another, another resident who is rotating with us. Yeah. And uh, we were doing a, uh, a dice cartilage and fascia graft. And I'll, I'll never forget it because, uh, you know, I, I won't say... Uh, who it was but he was scrubbed <laughs> in <laughs> and he goes and, you know and he saw me you know put in the 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 fascia graft because it's kind of cool and if you watch like any of my youtube videos you can see it where he put in these sutures that come through the skin and then the dice cartilage and fascia like slides in onto the bridge yeah. and all of a sudden it looks amazing right you know it just it's like suddenly goes from like a a good nose to like whoa that's incredible and he saw me do that and he goes he goes that is like that is the coolest thing I've ever seen because <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. And a rhinoplasty is like, somebody should write a paper about that. <laughs> and I, of course, looked at him, you know, like, like on, from the office kind of style, like where it was like, he goes, somebody has written a paper about that. Mm. I was like, uh-huh. mm. he goes, you've written a paper about that. I was like, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> now keep in mind you're a pretty easygoing person, but there are plenty of surgeons that would have thrown someone out of the OR for coming in not knowing a that a paper had been written about this, and b that that person had written a paper I'm about standing it. right there. <laughs> Which I will tell you, like if you're going to rotate on a surgeon's service, like just do a just quick, read their papers, do a lit search, yeah. Do a quick literature search and see what they've written about. You know, this is sort of like... Resident 101. Ba- basic yeah. tenets of being a resident <laughs> or if you're going to like... Even if you're going like around the world to visit some surgeon, like you would want to read what they're doing. You know, or just like look at their Instagram page or their YouTube channel. But if you do a lit search, you'll actually understand what they've done. That was very funny. That was funny. And just if you knew, if you knew the guy and knowing you, and it's just, it's just funny. <laughs> Someone should write a paper about this. <laughs> Well, let's just finish this off by saying who gets it? Like, why would you use this in the first place? 
Well, it's for because it's not for every reasons. nose, obviously. That's right. I mean, the reason to use a dice cartilage and fascia graft is for augmentation. If you wanted to fill in the radix, for instance, the area between the the forehead and the nose, and build that up a little bit. If you wanted to camouflage a lot of problems on the bridge of the nose, like after severe trauma or after multiple operations, the skin looks terrible. I really think that the fascia actually helps the overlying skin in, in a lot of my revision rhinoplasties. You know, you put that fascia in there, you got to be bringing new stem mm-hmm. cells in, and Absolutely. I think it helps the skin. Um, so if you want that, if you want to, you know, fill in a saddle nose, you know, if you've got a little de- deficit, you know, of height, you know, let's say you do a secondary and you put in your all your rib graft and put in your dorsal reconstruction grafts and everything. And it's just a little too scoopy or a little too low. A little fascia dice cartilage over top is the cure for what ails you. And uh, there's just a lot of uh, options when you have the ability to control how much volume is in that graft and uh, where it is, where how you shape it. You could put more of the dice cartilage towards the radix or down by the, if you have a super tip depression, you can fill in there. It just gives you total versatility, and it's all autogenous, meaning coming from the patient materials. So using their own material, their own fascia, and their own cartilage, it just is going to agree with their body and yes. have a lower risk of infection, rejection, et cetera, et cetera. Extrusion, yes. All of the bad things that happen. Yeah, like if you were to use like Gore-Tex or silicone, which, oh, gosh. you know, <laughs> it's funny. I have, I have put in probably in my whole career three silicone implants and they're they're all fine they've done fine i have never used gore-tex now i've taken out loads of gore-tex i take gore-tex out of patients i didn't even know had gore-tex in them because you <laughs> they find probably them didn't know they, had they didn't it know they had it either and you find it on the bridge of the nose and it's like wow you know i didn't even know that was there um so it is it is interesting though that some of those materials are just sort of going by the wayside you know, and I think yeah. we talked about when I went to China in December of uh, 2017 that uh, in Shanghai, they aren't using silicone implants. People want their own rib. So they're doing rib and dice cartilage and deep temporalis fascia on everybody. And they don't use the rectus fascia. They use deep temporalis. And I asked them, why would you not harvest it? They're like, it's better. And, you know, I, I think uh, my buddy Nazim uh, Cherkish wrote a, a paper about the rectus fascia. And he said it's just the same. And he, he had no problems using it. Uh, as opposed to using uh, temporalis fascia. But I find them to be a little bit different. I'd imagine they are a little bit. The rectus is such a thick, hearty muscle. It needs a in thicker fascia. In some people. In some people. Some people. In some people, it's not. You know, in some yeah. people, it's great fascia. Yeah. I mean, I, I did one the other day on a, on a patient that really needed the thickness. It was uh, a patient that had, had, had previous med pour and all kinds of stuff in her nose. And no matter what I've done for her, like the skin is just ruined from the med pour. It's just yeah, ruined. And uh, so I used rectus fascia, and it was really nice fascia. Like, it was, like, surprisingly good. That's what she needed, good. yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, how, who knows? I, I think in men it's too thick. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But I love deep temporalis fascia because it's so nice. So that's the discussion, I think, about dice cartilage and fascia. That's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, it's a great technique, but it is not a panacea. You know, you can't use it on everybody. It's not needed in every. It's just another, you know arrow in your quiver when you know trying to reconstruct these difficult noses and there you have it well and there's the dice cartilage and fascia podcast this is uh <laughs> dr jay calvert with the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast coming to you from the 90210 the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast is brought to you by rock spa 
This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty, and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.